Employment Law with Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. And across Ontario on this Sunday afternoon, good afternoon and welcome in. Thank you for joining us. I'm Ian Grant and the Bell Talk Radio Network. Delighted to have Canada's top and most winning employment lawyer taking your calls. Offering the best employment law advice available in the country. Levitt LLP, the most experienced employment law practice in Canada. In studio this afternoon, Canada's authority on employment law and wrongful dismissal. Howard Levitt taking your calls. Howard, good afternoon. Welcome in. Ian, thanks for having me. This is a great hour of opportunity, not only for employees, and we get a lot of calls from employees, but also for employers and the questions they have. Well, it's interesting. We don't get enough calls from employers, unfortunately, just one or two a show. But calls from employers are not only interesting for those employers, and of course, for all other employers listening, who generally are less inclined to phone, but it's interesting for employees to get a sense of what employers' concerns are, to get some other perspective on what otherwise may be a a one-sided perspective on their own part. But we certainly welcome those calls because much of my practice is employers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is your chance to call. Nice to see, by the way, that people are taking note. What happens is by the end of this hour, we normally have a whole bunch of callers that we have to say, not going to get to you. And at the end of each show, we inevitably say, do us a favor, call us early next week, next Sunday, one o'clock, and we'll get you on early. Lines are filling up right now. So well done. Good for you for getting the chance to get in. Phone number 1-877-518-5151-877-518-5151. 5151 or 416-872-1010, 416-872-1010 in the Toronto area. We have a very, you know what, we always do a tip of the week off the top of each show, and honestly, there's always something there to learn. And as you just said, usually you'll make it for the employee or the employer or both. What you got this week? Well, let's make this one for the employee, but of course it's of interest to the employer because Mm -hmm. they should again understand the flip side of the point I'm making and the perspective employees have. I won a case this week, it happened to be for an employer in a different province, and it involved someone who didn't like the way she was treated in the workplace. And she filed two different human rights complaints to the Human Rights Commission. And then she refused to return to work after she got sick, but then she was cleared to return to work medically, but said, I don't want to return to work until my human rights case is resolved, because I think the workplace is toxic, the workplace is poisoned, there's too much animosity, I'm complaining against them, their lawyer, that being me, is writing aggressive letters back to my lawyer, and I'm just uncomfortable. She lost her case. Hmm. It was a union case, the union took it to arbitration, and she lost. And And much, much earlier in the piece, when she just wanted to leave, the company was prepared to pay her some severance for leaving, and she turned it down thinking she'd get a lot more, and then she ended up getting nothing at all. But what's the point for everybody, union or not union? Your perception is not reality. She believed she had a poison workplace. She believed it was a toxic environment. She believed she couldn't psychologically handle returning to work. She believed the well had been poisoned in every respect. And therefore, she'd been constructively dismissed effectively and didn't have to return. And she was wrong. Hmm. So what's the point? The point is this, and here's the tip of the week. Understand that your subjective perception may not be reality. And it's not just your subjective perception because you think everybody's agreeing with you. You tell your story to your friends, your family, maybe even to a lawyer, and they agree with you. So true. 
But they agree with you for two reasons. One, they're getting your side of the story unvarnished, unembellished by the other side of the story, which they're not hearing. Right. Number two, I'm guessing, is the one that's... Well, I'll tell you what number two is. You'll tell me if it was what you guessed. Number two is most people don't want to fight with you. If you're emotionally emotionally involved in your story, what are they going to tell you you're wrong? Most people don't don't deal with people that way, especially Canadians. We're not, we're just not like that as a group. I am, but so most true. Canadians are not. Yeah. And so they'll tell you what you want to hear, or they'll just placate you. The last thing they're going to do is lose a friendship over this by telling you you're wrong and, 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 and you know, take a second breath and think about it again and take a deep breath and go back to work. They won't tell you that. No. They'll tell you what you want to hear. And then, of course, it reinforces your perception that's, that's that you're right. That's the scary part. You're absolutely correct with that. And so they quit, don't yep. come to work, claim right. constructive dismissal, and then lose. I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to tell them exactly what... You do that. You go ahead and do that. Yeah, you, you're right. You've been terribly treated. Go away. You've got to somehow or other be attempt to be objective, and it's tough to do. Mm-hmm. Try and anticipate the other side story. Think about what the witnesses are going to say. Think about what... You, what your actual conduct was in the workplace, this person had had their own harassment complaint against them. They'd done something wrong. Um, their work had errors. So anyway, so the, this she... person, the union took the case, spent a fortune on it, went on for the whole hearing in different respects, went on for several right. days, spawned over two or three months. We just got the decision yesterday. The case itself finished like three weeks ago. The arbitrator mm. was pretty quick, unusually quick, but we won. Well, the employee will get nothing now. Oh, they can go back to the Human Rights Commission and try and spin their tail. But now that an arbitrator said that it's baseless, that'll be the end of it. The Human Rights Commission will have no interest Part of the story that, that made my was I'll just make this point. If an arbitrator makes a finding of fact or vice versa, the Human Rights Commission is bound by it. So is a court. Uh-huh. They're all bound by the other findings of fact involving the same parties. Anyway, go ahead. So, no, I was just going to say, you said that she came back from uh, medical leave. The doctor said you're fine to come back. She decided psychologically she wasn't. Um, right. Our doctor said she was fine to come oh, back. Okay. I had a, I had a top prominent psychiatrist in that province, about 4,500 independent medical examinations examiner. He said, look, she hates her job. She doesn't want to go back, reported this to us, but there's no, there's no psychiatric reason why she can't return to work or physical reasons for that right. matter. Her doctor said, well, she's come back under certain conditions, all of which my client, of course, said, will accommodate. And the chance, oh, <laughs> nice. it was pretty obvious she wasn't going to come right. back. In fact, she told the, our psychiatrist, you could tell them, I never want to be at that place again. I mean, gold, gold wow. for the employer in an arbitration. Because of course they look at it, is this workplace rehabilitatable? This workplace environment, this relationship, is it rehabilitatable? Can she be rehabilitated in this workplace? And when she herself was saying, I never, I hate them. I never want to go back yeah. again. It's pretty easy for the arbitrator. And you could tell them that it's pretty easy for the arbitrator to conclude. God. There's no realistic prospect of rehabilitation between the employer. A couple and the of weeks ago, one of your, t- your, your tip of the week then really is today. It stuck with me. And I think it always will. And that is don't, don't, yeah, the, the line is burn bridges, but don't make it difficult when you leave the company. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a jerk. Don't, you know, don't make it, don't make it difficult for the company to meet you halfway. Don't make it difficult for the company to say yes. Yeah. And, and that was a circumstance where the person was so obnoxious, the employer, they're not spending their own money. Right. It's exactly. the company's money. It's not their money. If the manager, they say, not using their own money, they say, fine. He wants that. He'll get that. He wants a fight. He'll have a fight when it could have just been settled. Yeah. Just really straightforward. It's one thing to come up with a strong demand and show you're prepared to fight for it, 
but don't do things to make yourself disliked. No, that's the point. Is the is the trashing the company, the you know, calling people away. I can't believe you're still working there. They're, they're, you know, I mean, I've 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 heard other sides of this all the time. And you're right. The part of why I was laughing in the beginning was because that's exactly what happens. Somebody will call you and they'll say, I can't, you know, I can't believe I was treated this way. And you're just sitting there going, yep, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Wow, okay. I did have an example of that, though, where the, the, the person recorded that and used that recording in court. I know of an example, sorry. And it was used in that, hey, look, the other employees think that I was poorly treated as well. Listen to them. And there's all these employees agreeing with this person. Um, and they weren't agreeing. They were placating. But on tape, sure sounded like they were agreeing. Well, tape is useful for some things in court. I'm not sure that a court would really very care much what was caught in tape or they're not able to be cross-examined. Hmm. So that should have been inadmissible. Yeah. I don't know how it turned out. I just know that everyone... It's one thing if you're taping your boss and, and you know, there's issues with that too. You're taping your boss and, they, and they're going to be testifying and therefore they have a right to be cross-examined. This is an inconsistent statement. There's a contradiction from what their evidence is going to be. But you start taping a bunch of people in the workplace. Well, it's a little bit like submitting an affidavit to court it's not, it, it's not admissible yeah. because there's no opportunity to cross-examine that person for the other side to be able to show they were just placating right. yeah. and not, they didn't really mean it. They just felt sorry for this poor sap and were trying to make them feel good and give, let them leave with some dignity. So they said what they wanted to hear, how great a worker they were and how yeah, they don't it, understand they what happened to them and how they were mistreated yeah, yeah. and just making them feel better about themselves. Turned the office on its ear, I'll tell you. Made people think twice, though, in the future about what they say. But think hard about taping conversations in your workplace. There are some circumstances where it's okay, hmm. but I've argued that it's cause for discharge because who wants an employee walking around oh. surreptitiously tape recording everybody, violating their privacy rights? Uh, who wants a work? Who wants a, a co-worker like that in your workplace? Got to take a break, and when we come back, we will get right to your calls. You're listening to Employment Law. I'm Ian Grant. Phone lines 416-872-1010. Across Ontario, 877-518-5151. Internationally recognized, he is the leader in the area of employment law and wrongful dismissal. Howard Levitt, the most experienced labor lawyer in Canada, taking your calls this hour. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. You are listening across Ontario on this Sunday afternoon, and we thank you for being out there listening to AM 800, CKLW, Windsor's Information Station, News Talk 610, CKTB in St. Catharines, in-depth radio, News Talk 1010 in Toronto, and News Talk 1290, CJVK in London. No matter where you're listening, the phone number is the same, 877-518-5151 or 416-872-1010 locally in the Toronto area. Your chance to speak with Canada's authority on employment law and wrongful dismissal. Howard Levitt is in the studio. And Howard, where do you want to go? Sasha, how can I help you? Yes, hi, Albert. Thank Hello. you very much for taking my call. I've been working in a small, non-unionized, high-tech company in GTA, a senior designer for almost 20 years, before I was diagnosed with cancer mm. and um, had to go on sick leave as LTD. Now, meanwhile, like in 2013, my company had been acquired by another small, non-unionized, high-tech company located in different province. 
My group insurance, all this time coverage continued uninterruptedly. Uh, but my long-term disability obviously came to the end once I reached 65 years of age this year. Luckily, my health has been steadily improving, and I'm considering going back to work, but I do not wish to relocate to another province. Can I quit and claim constructive dismissal on the grounds of geographic relocation? Well, I guess the first issue is your company, was it the shares bought or the assets bought? Do you know? Um, if, is it the same company, the one in the other province? Is it the same company or they no, just buy the assets? it's the same company. So it's a different company? It's a different company. So what about the old company? They presumably have no job for you. Yeah, old company is got That's it. It's disappeared. And what happened between you and the new company when it bought? Did you, did, did you receive any offer of employment? Did, what no, is, I didn't get anything. Like, I technically, I guess, I uh, became automatically their employee. Well, did you? That's my question. My uh, insurance coverage. Oh, have they? Yes. The new companies can keep your insurance yes. coverage. Okay. Yes. They even called me, contacted me to say that now we switch to different insurance companies. Great. Okay, that's good. So you have it in, assumed as an employee. Yes. What I would do is tell them you wish to return to work. And they okay. will say, well, the only job we have is in another province. Okay. And you'll say, well, you know, my job is here in Toronto, not another province. And then they'll owe you severance pay. They can't just take you and move you to another province, unless, of course, you're in that kind of a job or the kind of a position where it's customary to get transferred around the country. There are positions like that and, and levels within companies like that, but it certainly won't be true of somebody who's non-managerial, for example, or right. even junior managers. There won't be a reasonable expectation when you join them. They could transfer you even to Brantford, let alone to Saskatoon. Right. Like, I'm, I, I was a senior designer. Yeah, there would not be an expectation they could transfer you to another <laughs> province or another city. So I would go and say, I'm ready to return to work. They'll, they may just say, we have no job for you and pay you wrongful dismissal damages. You've been there 20 odd years now as a senior designer. What were you making in your 65? What were you earning? 72,000. 82? Approximately 72. 72, okay. So it's been about 27 years in total. No, it is uh, almost 20 years. Oh, in total, including your time off on disability. Okay, I see. Oh, no, sorry. Including time of disability, yes. It is 27 years. That's right? what I said. Okay, 27 years, you're 65, you're making 72,000. I would think a court would be giving you about 21 months pay, 20, maybe two, 22 months pay. So that's what I'd be going for. I'd quickly, I mean, the only issue they may argue is if your health has been such you've been able to return to work for a very long time, like years... Right. They may argue you've abandoned your employment by not contacting them, not doing anything. Now, I think that's a hard argument for them to make. If I were acting for them, that's the argument I'd be looking for, mm -hmm. that you're not suddenly able to work now. This is purely opportunistic. Your LTD benefits ran out, mm -hmm. and now you want to work because you have no other choice. But actually, you were able to work three years ago and you didn't return, so therefore you've abandoned your employment. But the fact the LTD cover carrier continued right. your insurance benefits is evidence you continue to be disabled, so you're going to want to take the position you've just recovered and now. I think it's also like every year roughly, I had one surgery. Okay. Uh, very, very good. bad cancer. So okay, good. So, so you right, therefore have a good I argument. Have five surgeries. Good. So you have a good argument. You're able to return now. It may be on modified work, but um, you might say there might be some modifications given my physical disability, but perhaps you don't have to say that. Hmm. Just ask to return to work, and if they say no or no, it has to be in another province, you'll say, well, that's not suitable. That's a constructive dismissal. 
and then get your 22 months pay. Sasha, write down Howard's office number so that you have it handy. It's 416-594-3900, 416-594-3900. Website, all the information is levittllp.com. Uh, you want to squeeze another caller in? Let's go to the Hamilton area and speak to Kim. How can I help you, Kim? Hi, Howard. Um, we've had we've had an issue at work where we've had some um, some sloppy um, contracts for employment go out. Um, they've gone out with uh, incorrect work hours, incorrect name of the supervisor, and uh, we even had one that had the incorrect uh, numbers uh, number of vacation days hmm. entitled in, in year one. Um, so I'm just wondering what could be the possible complications from the employer's point of view. Well, the employee could say, this wasn't incorrect. This is what, this is what you offered me. This is what I accepted. This is what I gave, another, gave up another job for, assuming they're more generous than the actual amounts. If they're, of course, more parsimonious than the actual amount, you could say, well, you're not going to get two weeks vacation, but you're going to get four. Of course, the employee will be ecstatic. Although you might think, why well, should I give them more? They already agreed to two. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but having said that, if it's, so if it's, if it's less than the real amounts, then you can always rectify that if you wish. Yeah, no, but it's in. in it's probably all the other the way around. It's been more. That's what I've assumed. Yeah. Otherwise, so. it wouldn't be an issue. Mm. Um, well, is, if it's wildly off base, you could argue the employee must have known it was a mistake. If it's three weeks vacation pay versus two weeks vacation pay or four weeks vacation pay versus two, you're out of luck. That's what you've yeah. agreed to. You might want to give them a year's notice. Or even they haven't been there very long. A few months' notice. I guess since it's vacation pay, you'd want to give a year's notice. Say, Look, this was an error, so we will honor it for this year. But next year, it's going to be what it should have been, which is only two weeks a year. Mm-hmm. That's what I do on things like that. Hours of work. Again, if it's crazy different than the reality, so that employee, you could say an employee must have known this was an error. Then no, in, no, in, um, it's like no, in the case that I'm thinking about, it was off by the workday. Um, on the letter uh, said that the workday ended at 4.30, when in fact it ends at 5. Tell you what, Kim, I'm up against the clock. Um, keep listening. Uh, Howard's going to address the question when we get back. I will, I, will, I will address it. Okay, you're listening to Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network, 416-872-1010, 877-518-5151. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Canada's leading authority in employment law, Howard Levitt, is on the Bell Talk Radio Network. And he is taking your calls this afternoon at 1-877-518-5151, 877-518-5151, or locally in the Toronto area, 416-872-1010 are the numbers to call. Kim, uh, you were speaking with Howard just before the break. Uh, Howard? Yes, Kim is an employer who had sent out a number of letters to new employees with the wrong hours of work, the wrong vacation pay, she's wondering what she can do. And, mm. and my first reaction is, if you say 90 hours a week you have to work or, or 10 hours a week and it's a full-time job, everybody's gonna know it's just a mistake. It's a little bit like if somebody says, I'll pay you $10,000 for your car, and you'll say, and you write back and say, um, I'll sell it to you for $3,000, it's obviously a mistake. And the courts will set aside mistakes. But if you say, I'll give you four weeks vacation when you meant to give two weeks vacation. You're going to work till 4.30 when you meant to say I'll work till 5 o'clock. That's not obviously a mistake. And therefore, you're stuck with it. What you could do is say after the first year, the terms will change. This was a mistake. 
Okay, that's what I've said so far to Kim, who's, who's still on the line. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is this. Most people are reasonable. And they're particularly reasonable if they just start a new job. And if they were told orally, the work hours are till 5 o'clock, and then the letter says something different, and you say, you know this was an error, the workday ends at 5 o'clock for everybody, they're probably going to be reasonable about it. Now, if they never discussed it orally, they may say, I took it because I got to leave at 4.30. And so you, again, have a choice. If you th- and part of it is your bargaining power. Part of it is the extent to which you're prepared to have a very demoralized employee on your hands if they really believe they were getting this you're taking away from them. So you have a choice. You can always compensate through money. So you can say, you have to work to 5 o'clock and try and get them to agree to that. Or you can say, you have to work to 5 o'clock and that represents you know, 12% more time a day. It's probably more like 7% more time a day. And we'll pay you for the first year that extra 7%, then it will normalize at the end of year one. So you might want to compensate for your own error. Kim, how drastic were the mistakes? Um, they weren't drastic, but, um, you know, one, one of the mistakes was in terms of the end time of Or 30 versus 5. Which, which could be a big deal for hmm. somebody who has a child in daycare. Um, you know, I'm just, I, I just want to find out what the, you know, how... I mean that the letters should go out correctly, and I've been I've been trying to push the person who who um, who you know does the letters to get somebody to proofread them, and I I just wanted to get a little bit of ammunition. Wow. Well, why do they say four thirty? Was it because the person in question had daycare needs and could no, only work to four thirty? No, it was because we've got different different types of employees in the in the office and we've got offices right across Canada so the employment hours vary by location so they were simply confused yes the person writing the offer letter is confused and you don't know whether or not this person the the, the applicant the new employee now was told it was to five o'clock or told it was 430 when they were negotiating their employment no I bet they were negotiating the employment with the with a person who had the incorrect information you mean so, the person so, told them all along it was to 430 yes. okay so you either live with the 430 and give them notice that it's changing in six months or something uh, vacation pays a different issue you'd have to give them a full year because vacation pays an annual thing um x weeks vacation per year mm-hmm. but this you could just give them even three months notice they're a brand new employee depending on their level in the company if they're junior three months or very senior maybe six months that's just how the law works give them notice of the change and honor it or compensate them for period for again for the same period of notice that extra percentage for the extra time you're requiring them to work or have a fireside chat with them and see how they respond mm. but okay. if they were told all along it was only to 4 30 to be suddenly told they're going to have to work an extra two and a half hours a week is, is a major imposition. And I, I agree. It's about six and a half percent more time for the same amount of money. So I would think the moral thing to do and the, the thing that will more significantly not destroy their morale is to compensate them for the first few months at the, for, the, for the extra amount and give them a working notice. So if they don't like it, they can find a job somewhere else in that period of time. If they're content, then they'll get what they should have got in the first place at the end of three or six months. Thank you. You've been really helpful. Kim, oh, thank you. Anytime, Kim. Thank thanks. you. It's nice that she cares. That's nice. It, it, it is interesting in that it brings up the, the, the parallel because we have questions from employers saying, you know, I, can I change the contract I have with my employee? 
Uh, I guess that's what Kim wants to do, really, is they have an employee. And you've said before that they, uh, no, I'm quoting, I'm not quoting, but you're, you're, as an employee, you can change the contract as long as you offer something up. Well, there's two change, ways of changing the contract. One, you can offer, well, three ways. One, you can negotiate it, and the employee may say, okay. Two, you can, as what I just said, suggested to Kim, give them working notice. Mm-hmm. Okay, three months from now, or six months, or 12 months, depending on what the issue is, and depending on the status of the employee themselves, how old they are, how senior they are, what their compensation is, the things that we calculate in wrongful and how long one should get a notice of wrongful dismissal damages in lieu of notice, how much notice you should give them. So they could say in three months, this will change to X. In 12 months, this will change to X. Look, you could make the CEO the janitor if you gave them 24 months advance notice of that. Mm-hmm. You could change any term of employment with enough advance notice. Mm-hmm. And the third alternative, of course, is in addition to negotiation, it's just to compensate them for the difference. But they could again say, I don't want to be compensated for the difference. This is very important to yeah. me. It's yeah. important to my lifestyle. I don't want to work that extra half hour, in which case you really your only recourse is notice or negotiations. And if negotiations don't work, notice is the only alternative. Yeah. You can, look, you could give them a new contract, as you talked about, give them what's called consideration, change those terms. You got to give them something in return. But again, they still have to agree to it. So it still right. comes back to negotiations. If you have a woman with a new child and she gets this job, she only has to work till 4.30, can pick her kid up from right. school. It's everything. It's worth far more than an extra 6.5% wages. Yeah. I admire the fact that Kim is sensitive to that. that yes, that, that she raised that. She said it wasn't the case here, but she understands right. how it could be. Absolutely. And by the way, employers have to accommodate childcare needs. If someone, even an existing employee gets pregnant and their daycare is such, their shift hours change. There was a big case in the federal court about that. They've got to accommodate that. First of all, the employee has to make their own attempts to accommodate their employer, find a daycare that's suitable. And if they cannot, or family members to take care or something, if they cannot, then they can go to the employer and the employer can then work with them and try and find something. And if no one can, they have to actually change the shifts. And that supersedes seniority shifts and union agreements. In that case, it did and everything. Wow. How does that work? Elder care, for... child care, it's all human rights issues that have to be accommodated. So someone leaves a job for maternity leave, they come back a year later and the shift just doesn't accommodate, doesn't fit in with They can require needs. you to have a different shift. But they, I mean, they will, it's up to the employer to work with you to yes. find that shift. It's up to the employee to find, the sh- to find daycare or whatever, or child care of some right. kind yeah, or other. If, if they, they can. cannot then it's up to the employer to work with them, to find it for them. And if they still cannot, then they have to accommodate a different shift. Boy, I bet you there's a lot of... Or part-time uh, work or whatever it takes. A lot of mothers out there bet, wish they'd heard that advice uh, a, a while back. A lot of mothers back. out there listening who've just heard that advice. Yes, and good. And that's why we're here. You're listening to Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Give us a call. Phone lines are open. one 518 5151 You got one, two, three lines. You, gotta get, uh, you will get in if you call now. 877-518-5151. Or locally in the Toronto area. 416-872-1010. Bell Talk Radio Network, as always, delighted to have Canada's top and most winning employment lawyer taking your calls, offering the best employment law advice available in the country at your fingertips. Howard Levitt in the studio taking your calls. I'm Ian Grant. Quick break and we shall return. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. 
Good afternoon across Ontario. Welcome in and thank you for joining us. If you're listening to News Talk 1290, CJBK in London, News Talk 610, CKTB in St. Catharines, In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010 in Toronto, or AM 800, CKLW, Information Station in Windsor. Great to have you along. We have one, two lines open at this point. You can get in if you call now, 877-518-5151. It just went down to one line. It's like a telethon. Um, call now. Help us all out. 877-518-5151, locally 416-872-1010. Howard, where do you want to go? Let's go to the city that I'm actually going to for case this week yeah. later today, Montreal. Marilyn, how did you find out about us from Montreal? Let's start with that. <laughs> well, I used to live in Mississauga, but I didn't know about you then, but my son is still in the GTA, and he listens to your show, and he was the one who was urging me to call you. So he said, go on the internet and, and listen to News Talk 1010 that way. Exactly, except I'm on the phone in my cockpit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> how could I help you? Okay, I was hired a year ago as an executive assistant at a large pharmaceutical company to support two vice presidents and their respective business units, in, both in, in multiple product launch mode and, and growing. Uh, I was warned at the time that it was a busy job. Uh, I had come from a, the, sim, the, a, the same type of position at another large pharmaceutical company, and so I knew what busy was. Uh, like a farmer, you work hard and you play hard. So uh, sort of from the, from the get-go, I've... There was, I was kind of split into two halves there, too, even though my, let's see, my, I sat in between, physically in between the two business units. It was, there were two separate things, separate uh, teams, separate everything. Um, I, I, so as I got onboarded and, and ramped up, I, I just found the workload to be excessive. It was, I was always running, I was running around in circles. I was working 45 to 50 hours a week. Um, and, and things would fall through the cracks, understandably. And I felt I felt bad. I'd, I'd be late for things, things here and there. Not everything, but I mean, that they did happen. And so they would talk to. They came to talk to me about it, and uh, one of them did. And I said, "Well, I, I just find the workload is is not is not tolerable." Um, so we, I met with them at one point, uh, February or March. Cause it started September last year. And they were just saying, well, you know, how would you rank it on the scale of 1 to 10? I said, well, basically 12. And they <laughs> seemed shocked. And I said, no. I said, I can't, I can't keep up. And I'm putting in all this all this time. And, and they could see it because I was there very long hours there, early, late in the lunch. Um, very little support around from from people around me. The, um, in any case, it's sort of we, we would meet on a month basis rather just to discuss workloads so they took a couple of uh, they say drop in the bucket things away from, from me to get to somebody else a uh, contract person they had um, and this kind of but it just kind of kept going on like this and um, then in the summer uh, in August uh, they I'm one of them that I get this call to go down to HR and well, lo and behold they said they were terminating me for they said for just cause and the reason was failure to fulfill the basic duties Wow. Of the job. Okay, had they given you a written warning in advance that you would be fired if things no. didn't improve? Okay, well, then you no. will win the case. If they fire someone for incompetence... There was is, no PIP. There was no... HR was never involved. It was always just... They were disappointed in my efforts, and I was okay. saying... Was basically if there's no road. written warning, whether it's the form of a PIP or simply a simple letter, then mm-hmm. they can't win a case for just cause based on poor work quality. So okay. you're fine in terms of wrongful dismissal damages. Were you lured away to that job, or did you volunteer to join it? No, like I volunteered. Right I had been, okay. I had lost my previous job in a big restructuring at another pharmaceutical company. Okay, that's not good because you're only there. You're not even a year's service. I was there eleven months. Uh, exactly. How old are you? I'm sixty-two. That's good. And what was your earnings there? 
678. Okay. Bonus. I would think a court, but you're an EA. Uh, so the theory is there's lots of jobs around for EAs. I would think mm-hmm. a court would give you three months pay. Okay. What do they offer you? Nothing. I got to two weeks. Okay. Well, you're entitled to three months, not two weeks. And I don't know what the small claims court system is in, in the province of Quebec, but that would be within the small claims court limit here, which is a much less expensive and more expeditious way to proceed. Mm-hmm. So you should look That's into that true. and just file your own claim in small claims court. But the, the interesting point, too, was that now the job was posted only like a few weeks actually after I left. And then it was apparently the, my coworkers are telling me it's been uh, changed and they're hiring two positions. Wow. They're replacing me. Interesting. With but, you know, the bottom line is that doesn't matter legally because they're not going to win on just cause anyway. That would be good evidence if there was a real just cause case. They're just calling it that to try and lowball the offer, hoping you'll take two weeks for fear of getting nothing. But it's entirely frivolous as a defense if there's no warning. Now, if there was warnings, you still may have a great case. If you can show that the work was not humanly possible, or at least not possible for the average worker, then you'd win anyway. But you don't even have to go that far. If there's no warning, you can't fire someone for just cause based on performance. Thank you, Marilyn in Montreal. Interesting call. Speaking of which, by the way, um, are you doing anything interesting in Montreal? Yeah, I have actually quite an interesting case on a whole lot of fronts. They ha- a client of mine had an employee who had a, had, a base, had a job, but they gave him an assignment for three years. It just went on and on and on. Then he did something that made the company not trust him as much, and this assignment was something that required more um, initiative, autonomy, responsibility. It wasn't a matter of dishonesty, just it was a matter of real bad judgment. Hmm. Said, we can't have you in that job anymore. We're going to move you back to your real job, which they say they always could have done. And he says, I don't want to do that job. I used to be training people. Now I'm going to be among the people who are trained. That would be humiliating to me. But the point is, while they were negotiating all this with his lawyer, who was talking about how long his unemployment would be, et cetera, and they wanted job search costs and all of that, he already had another job. He was They were still paying him. He went off for a month or for two weeks to think about his alternatives. They kept paying him, and he found another job and was working within those two weeks. So he was getting double paid for those two weeks, hmm. which is an issue now, of course, I'm raising his cause based <laughs> on dishonesty. But, but, but there's a whole lot of interesting features here. First of all, the salary didn't change because it was the same position, albeit a different function. Is the function so seriously different or demotion that it's a, that it's cause for that it's cause for um, a constructive dismissal? That's the first issue. Hmm. The second issue is a relatively significant one: is what's his damages? Yeah. He hasn't lost anything. That's right. And, and second, we called him back to work. So in addition to it not being a major demotion, is it so humiliating he shouldn't do it while finding something else? In this case, of course, he'd already found something else, but what are his damages? So this lawyer of his seems to think that just because he's lost his years of service, even though he hasn't lost a penny in income, he should get damages at large, which is not what the courts have said. Now, the Quebec Labor Standards Code said this, but this is not a Quebec Labor Standards case. It's a Canada Labor Code case, a federally regulated employee. All federally regulated employees who aren't in senior management who have worked a year have the right to apply to get their jobs back if they're fired and various damages. And the Supreme Court of Canada, the case that came out a couple months ago, said de facto they get their jobs back. 
not just wrongful dismissal damages, unless there's a good, a very strong reason not to give them their jobs back, just like being in a union, that's the default position. So in any event, he doesn't want his job back. He's happy with the job he has. He suffered no damages. And I think this lawyer is foolishly using Quebec labor standards cases yeah. and trying to apply it <laughs> where it's not applicable. So wow. I've just sent them a whack of cases from the Supreme Court of Canada and otherwise saying, this isn't the law. An arbitration case overturned for making a finding similar to what he's arguing. And my client's saying, why are we fighting a case here yeah. and flying in for a case where even if he wins, he loses. First, there's the issue of, was it emotion? Secondly, was it, a hu was it a humiliation? And what they say is the people he's just trained, he won't be working with because he's got so much seniority. He'll right. be yeah. working with people, not the, new, not the newcomers. Right. And there's more skill involved in the potential of even more money in the regular job. He may not like it as much, but whether you like your job or don't like your job <laughs> is not the stuff of constructive dismissal. It goes right back to our first question. And then wow. there's the issue of what damages are. So that's my case in Montreal this that's week. It's probably clear as mud, but yeah. there you go. Oh, that's neat. Let's try and squeeze a couple more lines in. Okay, let's go to Sarah. How can I help you? Hi, Levitt. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Sarah? I wish I could be better. Okay, my situation is I am 54 years old, a non-union admin assistant, have been away for 12 weeks of uh, stress leave due to workload. And uh, Medically I'm, authorized, correct? Correct. Okay. And medically authorized by my doctor. And my doctor, I hope, I'm praying that she sends me back because I want to go back to work. But however, I just heard from one of my colleagues who was in similar situation. When he went back to work, they had a meeting and they literally, means he felt very humiliated in that meeting because they were very sarcastic and intimidated. And he's further gone again on stress because he was so traumatized with the whole meeting, wherein he was only one and there were six people from the management and they said things which he just could not bear it. Anyways. I don't want to get into that situation because I really want to go back to work. Sarah, I'm so, deadly against the clock. I need your question quickly, please. Okay, so my question is, when I go back and if they have a meeting, can I have a union staff with me? Because I'm Oh, you're a, in a union, are you? No, I'm a non-union. Well, then you can't have a union rep with you if you're not in, in the union, and they okay. wouldn't come anyway. <laughs> okay, my second question is, while they are asking me or telling me things, is it okay if I write them down of and course. don't speak a word? And of tell course. them that I reply everything in email and send it to them? Well, they have a right to have a conversation with you, first yes, of all. but I keep quiet. Well, they have a right to ask you questions if they wish to. You have an obligation as an employee to respond to their questions. I mean, generally in meetings like that, they will allow you just to take notes and think about it and respond later. But if they want to talk to you, they have to. But if, if they fire you after coming back from sick leave, you get additional damages for violation of human rights. So if that's what you're worrying about, I know we're running against the clock right now. If you're worrying about getting fired, it's actually a great time to be fired, coming back from pregnancy or <laughs> sick leave or some human rights protected ground. What a fantastic show. We are right up against oh, the clock. But with thank a bunch you of calls so much. Left. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ian. Call early next week, same time, 1 o'clock. The earlier you give us a call, the sooner we'll get you on air, I promise. This has been Employment Law. If you'd like to speak to Howard, his office number, 416-594-3900. All his contact information on his web page, which is levittllp.com. I'm Ian Grant. Have a great week. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network.